hope you're in a good mood with that wonderful beat. This is The Uncomfortable Truth, and I want to talk to you today about something you can use immediately. It's very easy, but few people use it well. I call it the secret because it's the secret to success. But it's not the dreadful book, The Secret. This is real. And the secret is language. People don't use language effectively. When they speak it, when they write it, when they try to comprehend it, they don't use language effectively. We all need to command a room, command a meeting, command a conversation. I don't care if you're in sales or not. I don't care what the situation is. If you want to influence people, if you want to persuade people, if you want people to follow you, to join you, to support you, you need to use language well. One of the problems today is it's missing from the schools. I learned language in grammar school, much more so than high school or college, because it was taught then, and it was serious. But today in the schools, in high schools, we don't have rhetoric or debate. They used to be debate clubs, not in high schools anymore, some colleges perhaps. They used to be vocabulary tests. We took vocabulary quizzes, but I'm sure that would embarrass some people today or it would get in the way of a participation award, I don't know. But schools don't do that anymore. And there's no understanding of sentence structure. We used to diagram sentences. So I know what the object was, I knew what the verb was, I knew what the predicate nominative was, I knew that after a preposition you use the objective, not the nominative, and so forth and so on. It's important to know these things because you can use language better. For example, One of my very favorite instances is a prospect who was sitting in a large office and clearly was a buyer and agreed to see me on the basis of a reference from a colleague. And he said to me, Alan, I'm happy to talk to you as a courtesy, but let me tell you something. Our company has never used an outside consultant in its existence, and I have no intention of breaking that precedent. And he thought that that would rock me on my heels and I'd stumble and stammer and crawl out of his office. Instead, I said immediately, you would be surprised at how many of my best clients today started the conversation in the exact same way. And then he stumbled backwards. That's called reframing. I call it the martial arts of language. You take the other person's momentum and turn it back against them. Sort of a judo-like technique, I guess. Or a keto? Or is that a dog? But you get my drift. And so... You've got to be prepared to use the language, have the language available in your arsenal, and know how to convey it. Reframing is very powerful. Politicians do it all the time. They'd be asked, how do you stand on the defense budget? And they say, well, when money is involved, I am very careful. As you know, I've been the biggest supporter of Social Security. And let me tell you something about Social Security. And off they go in a different direction. They're reframing. Do you see it done quite often? I'm not saying you should manipulate things, but I am saying that you should use language to get things in the direction that you want them to go, right? Metaphors are especially important. People don't know how to use them. I once talked about escape velocity. I listened to a long meeting at Hewlett-Packard. I was one of three or four consultants in the room with a lot of very bright people, and they were having trouble making a decision on the option they should use to launch a new initiative. And I finally said to them, just this sentence, what you're lacking is escape velocity. And the whole room quieted, and they said, what does that mean? And I said, well, you don't have the fuel and the power yet to escape the gravity of the earth. And in this case, it's the gravity of the culture of the organization. 
You have to escape the current culture to do what you're talking about. And you don't have escape velocity. You need more power. And after that, I was named in short order the leading change management expert of all their consultants in Euler Packard. You have to define your own terms, which is another important way to use language. For example, we hear culture all the time. Culture this and culture that. But when I use culture, I say to people, let me define culture. Let me define my terms. Culture is that set of beliefs which governs behavior. So if you want to change culture, you have to change the belief system. Now, you might have a different definition, and that's fine. Probably not as good as mine, but it's still fine. But the point is, define your terms so people are listening and thinking about things the way you intend them to. When people speak, they stammer and they stutter. They have no enthusiasm. I stood in the back of a room with a client once when a senior vice president got up on stage and there were a couple hundred people in the audience and he was giving the summary of the year and he said, I want to report that um, we've had an exceptional year and the bonus provision is completely funded. And in the back of the room, people were saying to each other, are we getting fired? So we need people who can speak with enthusiasm and not just try to fill silences. People take an hour to write a 10-minute memo. They are articulately inefficient. They talk too much. They articulate their cognitive process. You need to be succinct. They're not concise. They're not pithy. They're not even relevant. And language is everything. I've got news for you. Every business is a communications business. That's the secret. And that's the uncomfortable truth. Every business is a communications business. People provide background instead of asking questions. And by the way, have you observed the questioning that takes place at press conferences? Even for sporting events, the reporter asks a question that takes 90 seconds because the reporter hasn't thought enough to articulate it concisely and or the reporter wants attention thrust on him or her. So they ask long, complex questions, which don't help anything. Megan Kelly, who's a disaster right now on NBC, going down in flames, made her mark by being a horrible moderator of, of a presidential debate and drawing attention to herself instead of helping people understand the candidates' positions and asking the right questions. That's what happens. In a lot of the church services I go to, the readers, and I are one, I am a reader at church, a lector, a lot of the readers are terrible because they never look at the audience they don't practice the reading, which is easy to do, and they don't put any inflection in things, any intonation in things. And you have to think, if there is a God, and God spoke through apostles and disciples and prophets, they'd have some passion in their soul. <laughs> they wouldn't say, oh, thou shalt not kill. So how do you deal with all this? Well, here's the good news. I have some techniques for you. Number one is increase your vocabulary. Learn one new word a day. Take the weekends off. Five days, five words a week. 250 words a year. Think that's tough? I don't think so. A baby probably learns 250 words in, in a couple of weeks. So, one new word a day. Practice it and use it. If you see a word that you don't know, look it up. On electronic media, in many cases, you can just highlight it and you'll get a dictionary account of it. It'll say, you know, look up. You can do that on, a, on an iPad, for example, or an iPhone. But if you don't have one of those, make a note and look it up. Google it. Look it up in an old-fashioned dictionary. Turn a page. 
And don't dumb down. Any advice you get to dumb down your vocabulary or dumb down your attire is provided by people who are afraid. They're afraid of the world around them. They're afraid to shine. They're afraid to stand out because they don't know how. And so avoid anybody who tells you to dumb anything down. If they say, well, the average citizen reads at a 10th grade reading level, that's their problem. You use the level you choose to use. So don't be afraid to use the vocabulary you learn. Point number two, learn grammar. Listen to TV news reporters. This aesthetic, pseudo-aesthetic between you and I is awful. It makes you look dumb. Between is a preposition. And prepositions take the objective case, which is me, not I. You is okay. So between you and me, between you and her, between you and him, not you and he. Learn decent grammar. Otherwise, you look stupid. Because a lot of people out here know. And when you don't use good grammar, people realize it. By the way, talk about space fillers. Listen to any newscast, and I guarantee you that at least three reporters in the field will throw the feed back to the anchors by saying, back to you guys. That would be considered microaggression in most liberal progressive universities, but my point is, it's a stupid phrase, back to you guys. You guys. Understand grammar. There's a difference between simple and simplistic. Simple means easy to do. Simplistic means overly simplifying, making things look too easy, not understanding the ramifications and the depth and the nuance. And learn how to punctuate. In American English, commas and periods always, always, always go inside quotation marks. It doesn't matter about the logic of the sentence. They always go inside. Semicolons and colons go outside. There are things like that in grammar you need to know. How to start a new paragraph. It's only is it apostrophe s when it's a contraction for it is. And you need to understand the difference between a plural and a possessive. A possessive takes an apostrophe. A plural does not. Number three, use metaphors. I talked about escape velocity before. That is a metaphor. One I use all the time, it's in quite a few of my books, is the oxygen mask principle. On every airplane where most people have been at one time or another of their lives, the flight attendant says, put your own oxygen mask on first before you attempt to help others because you can't help others unless you help yourself first. I mean, if I had a choice, I would rush my oxygen mask to the flight attendant so she could help as many people as she could, including me. And in business and in life, you need to help yourself first if you're going to help others. You can't give away a lot of money unless you have a lot of money, for example. And so that's my oxygen mask principle. And it's a metaphor, and I use it all the time. Number four, use volume. I'm speaking with high volume in this podcast. But also intonation. Intonation means you vary your volume. Sometimes it's like this, and sometimes it's like this. But you're always projecting. You're projecting well, but you vary the volume. Use inflection. Inflection is like that. It's an emphasis. It's a stress. Number five, use analogies. Especially when you write, they're highly effective. But even when you speak, analogies are are terrific. There was a movie, I think it was Blue Velvet, and I think it was Laura Dern who said this. But they said, what was it like? And she said, it was as hot as asphalt in Georgia in August. Now, that tells you pretty much how hot it was. I get that picture clearly. Use of analogies, brilliant stuff. Number six, stop filling silences. Uhs and ahs and ums and ers. And we hear this with very public people. And I hear it all the time. 
I know somebody who says um about once every other sentence. And despite the brilliance of how he often speaks, it is detracted, it is undermined by that constant space filler. Stop making dumb comments to fill silences. Get comfortable with silence. Not every silence has to be filled. And if you're quiet long enough, somebody else will fill it. I have found historically that if I move simply to fill a silence, I say something stupid. And number seven, memorize some all-purpose examples and stories. Just have three or four that really serve a lot of purposes and you have them ready if you really want to use language well. When my wife and I were first married, she was making 7500 as a teacher. I was making 7000 at Prudential Insurance. That's uh, what, fourteen five. Even in 1968-69, not very good. At the end of the year, she said, what do you want to do? I said, we should take a vacation. She said, how are we going to swing that? Well, they had just invented the MasterCard in the late 60s. Just invented it. And I was sent one. I had a $300 credit limit. That was my, that's how much of a risk I was. You know, I buy bottles of wine for more than that now. But I said, if we max out this MasterCard, I have found a place where for 300 bucks, and it was on Marco Island in Florida, I think a Marriott, we can get airfare, round trip airfare, six nights and seven days, all meals, beach passes, and all beach amenities for 300 bucks. And I figured I could pay off this card for what? You know, $10 a month for 30, 31 years. And so we went. And midway through the vacation, it was everything they promised. It was legit. And I said to my wife on the beach, I'll be back in a little while. I'm going to take out a sailboat. And my wife says, you don't know how to sail. You're from the inner city and you're not that good a swimmer. Is this a good idea? And I said, for my $300, I'm using every amenity. And so out I went. And sure enough, about 100 yards offshore, I capsized. So you hold on, you tread water, you don't panic, right? Hold on, tread water, don't panic. And I waved to the shore. And the guys on the shore waved back. Hold on, tread water, don't panic. I wave again. So finally, after about five or six minutes of this, the guys who run the sailboat concession jump in their powerboat. And they power out to where I am and they stop. And the guy in the front of the boat jumps in the water and walks over to me. When he got to me, he turned over the boat, put me in it, shot me a look and walked back to his boat. Now there's a huge crowd on the beach and my wife is in the middle of it staring at the sky. When you think the water is deep, you tread water. Perception is reality. What do you think about yourself? How accurate are you about your surroundings and your business? Are your perceptions guiding you in the right direction or are you treading water for no reason? We have the means to communicate, folks, but that doesn't mean we always use it well. Stop treading water. That's the uncomfortable truth. <laughs> <laughs>